Hey, welcome back to the Rack and Focus podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. And I'm John Doyle. And we're here at the United Artists Theater, just over our shoulders here to see... Uh, we're gonna see Rocketman tonight, the Elton John story. Yes, it might be a duplicate of Bohemian Rhapsody, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know what to think. I don't yeah. know what the experience is gonna be like, uh, but this is gonna be a very special weekend for us because we're pushing our limits. Why? Yes, we're seeing Godzilla as well. So you got two podcasts coming out next week. And so when you tune into this one, you know there's another one for Godzilla that's following it on its heels, or you've just listened to the Godzilla one, and then you can come listen to Rocket Man as well. It's true. You ready to go in? Ready to see uh, it? Yeah, let's go check awesome. out the Awesome, let's go. All right. You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. Uh, all right, I got to start with, did you like the movie? <laughs> or no. <laughs> so so uh I I I think I really liked it. Uh-huh. I don't know how I'm going to feel in 2 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, like, you're not sure if it's going to like really just I, decline I, over the 2-day period. I'm concerned about some of that, right? Uh-huh. Um I liked it a lot. I liked a lot about it. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I liked yeah. a lot about it. Yeah. Um I would cuz spoilers. Wait, we'll start again. Yeah, spoilers, spoilers right spoilers up front. Spoilers everywhere. Just it's going to come out really quickly. The <laughs> last uh, eight minutes uh-huh. uh, were troubling to me. Uh-huh. Um, it felt uh, not to uh, beat a dead horse like the last season of Game of Thrones. Like we've done a lot of work and we slammed into a, we're going to wrap this up in about eight minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hit that. We hit that point where I was like, I don't know where they're going to go from here. Um, and I had a feeling that, you know, the end of the film, you see the pictures of Elton John, like actual real life Elton John. And it says, this is. What he's done, I'm like, that's the only place you can go. But it felt like, felt like he was dead almost, you know, at the end of the movie. It yeah. w- would have been kind of nice to maybe wrap it up in a different way. I think that was my biggest issue, too. Yeah, the devil suit for me felt so... Um, there was about halfway through the film, I was like, oh, clever. This would be clever if he was dead. Yeah. But I think that might be a problem yeah. for real life. So I'm not sure, you know, he's listed as executive producer. Right. Um, there is certainly some image protection in those last moments, credits and yeah, the, for the sure. last sequence. For sure. Um, How about you? What's your response? I well, like I said, I didn't know what we were going to go into. A- absolutely, uh, I was kind of expecting, uh, you know, another Bohemian Rhapsody kind of biopic, um, and it wasn't quite that, which was totally good because I felt like if it was that, it would have uh, been too repetitive and it would have been a ripoff. Absolutely, because Bohemian Rhapsody was so good, so they went like a clearly a clearly different a di- different direction with that altogether. Um, I don't find myself liking musicals all that much. Okay. Um, and this was far more a musical than it was a biopic. I think that's exactly right. I, um, it reminded me of, uh, what is it, All Across the World? It reminded me of that sort of it, Beatles version. Oh, of yes. Yeah, songs, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah uh, it, and I think the reason they did that was. Uh, Elton John is so theatrical in general that everything that happened in the, like the musicality, making it a musical made it theatrical to match his personality. Cause Freddie Mercury is not like on the same level of theatrics as Elton John is in, in my, I mean, he doesn't wear a peacock suit. On, right. On the difference, stage, right? Uh, you know, Freddie Mercury's performance, right. but not theatricality in that right. same way. And this is all theater. Um, yeah. 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 And that's the other thing was that we're watching some of these scenes and it felt like they set this movie up where they wrote this movie so that they could eventually one day turn it into a Broadway play. You know, there's there's certain aspects and certain scenes where I'm like, 
that this could easily be done. And I don't know, partially, I think just because of the surrealism, there's some really great camera work I want to talk about, but um, I wondered, I'm like, why is this a film and not a play? Yeah, you know, and, you know it's a great question, and I feel like uh, we have seen plays about musical groups, right, mm -hmm. there, that yeah. exists in the world. Uh, uh, it may be the scale of the need for the distortion from drugs. Yeah. It may just be an aesthetic right. choice, which actually is a good aesthetic choice, then, yeah. like a right choice. Although I could see this being one of those movies that finds its way into right. a regular theater. Yeah, I could totally see it, you know, in two years being like, Rocket Man, Broadway, mm -hmm. um, and I—I I mean, I would like to see that show. That would be a fun show. Um, but yeah, that was—that was one of my thoughts going, you know, like throughout the film. I was like, this just feels like I'm watching a play. Yeah, well, you know, so. and the the use so like the positive and negative. Mm -hmm. It is when you walk in first, you're like, oh, this is going to be something like Bohemian Rhapsody, the story of a singer with its songs included chronologically. Right. And almost immediately you're, right. you're shown we're going to be in a fantasy world for much of this. Yeah, it got surreal. It right? really surreal yeah. quickly and lots of highly stylized moments, especially in relationship to the music. Yeah. And then the music's not in chronological order at all. You're right. Right. <laughs> right, right, and, right. And, we're, and the music's being used for story and other characters are singing, which actually was one of the things I found refreshing. Mm -hmm was that we had people who weren't singing the song the way it's sung on the album right. or in performance. Right. And to me, there's something refreshing about that, which I liked a lot. Yeah, and I, I have something to say about that based on things I've heard or read previously to this film, which I'll bring up in the next Great. segment. I won't bring up now. But uh, yeah, very interesting that you said that. Um, the cameras, uh, camera choice, cinematography, I thought was crazy. Crazy. Uh, just insane and that that is why they chose to do it as a film was because of the camera choices and the drugs and the um the surrealism of you know him starting to float off of his you know off of his piano off off of the off the stage and everybody rises up with him uh and it's obviously based in real life on an actual photo that was taken uh but they've morphed real life into what was happening in his head through the use of camera um and just just production design and act, like all of it like everything was just over the top elton john uh because of, because of the cameras and if, they did. if you strip story away right you mm -hmm. take story away and you take the structure the musical structure right. and you just look at it yeah. from cameras and lighting and uh a, a grain film uh -huh. stock style choices yeah. and uh use of i mean just the focus the use of focus throughout was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and um, framing, you know, all of these uh, blocking, tons of blocking issues, right. all of that filmmaking was extraordinarily strong, I yeah. thought. Um, and so as I watched it, I kept saying, I really am, this image is a beautifully crafted, beautifully composed image. I love the fact that we're getting these hyper close-ups, but they don't feel like weird fisheye drug images. Well, that's, yeah, yeah, that was the big thing that stood, stood out to me, was this is a very intimate film uh, between you as the audience and um, a, an alternate reality Elton John, right. almost, right? Like, you're seeing, this is like, this is like the in interior of Elton, mm -hmm. you know, throughout. Like, this is, this isn't really him on the outside who you've seen for the last... I don't know how long, what was it, 1975, so 40 plus right. years. Um, but every time he gets emotion, there's a lot of emotional scenes, and you're like, camera's here. 
The camera's you know, right up we in are his face. So we, you can practically see up his nose, which you can because you have to see the blood and the cocaine mm -hmm. from his nose. So it's they are so close to him the whole time. And uh, props to Taron uh, Egerton for he acted his butt off in oh, this movie. Yeah, really some yeah. phenomenal work. And not just in uh, a parroting Elton John, mm -hmm. but, but really developing emotions underneath it. Yeah. Uh, you could feel that stuff. And it was certainly supported by production design and uh, makeup. I mean, right. just extraordinary moments of yeah. decay in his body. Mm -hmm. you, when you get in those close ups, there's no place to hide. And it's like, wow, this guy is not healthy. Yeah, no, he was acting his butt off. And you, but, and like you could tell, but you couldn't really tell. Like, so here's my big difference between Bohemian Rhapsody and this. I don't want to compare yeah, those yeah, yeah. two it's the fine. whole time, but because it just came out. Um, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, I completely forgot I was watching somebody play Freddie Mercury uh, because it was just looked exactly like him, spot on the whole time, like just all of it. Um, this one, I was very aware that I was watching somebody perform as Elton John, which I didn't have an issue with, though, watching it, because this there's an underlying theme here of... I was just okay with it. Like, mm -hmm. I accepted the whole thing. Um, and I thought the hug at the end, hugging his um, kid self, uh, was really, really great. Um, yeah, is that one of the issues that you had at all? Because that no, was in the last, like, couple minutes. No, in fact... No, not at all. That's I what think, made it feel full circle for yeah, me. Yeah, and, and then totally after okay. that, it, it was where the collapse. Uh, okay. And and leading into that slightly, like there's there's this nice buckle that's built into there, right. and then we get all of this sort of hanging belt off the end of the yeah. buckle. Mm -hmm. And I really thought that moment, which was potentially the most theatrical moment, where the people of his past are walking in mm -hmm. in parallel or in you know at the same level as these characters he's been yeah. in the circle telling his life to yeah that moment with the child himself is beautiful and they planted it well by showing it to us over and over in the story right. Right. in the weirdest ways yeah. right the rocket man appearance is as strange a thing uh, -huh. uh and it, i mean singing underwater a really slick choice yeah. yeah yeah i mean the whole film being about um self-love and that you know you might not get love from everybody else in the world you might not get you're definitely not going to get love from alcohol and drugs and rock and roll um it's about internal love and loving yourself right and that's the issue that he struggled with all yeah. his, his entire life um so that hug that made me feel i was like yes thank you you came full circle thank god i was worried they weren't going to do something because I, I didn't know where they were going quite with it. i was hoping they were going to go that route but then th thankfully they did but um yeah, okay, so I did not realize that Bryce Dallas Howard was his mom for the longest time yeah. until I figured out who was under the prosthetic and okay. the makeup. all right. Um, the makeup was amazing in the movie. I'm not a makeup guy. I don't know anything yeah, yeah, about yeah. makeup, but I just had to say that. It was great. Makeup was great. Uh, I, I'm sure somebody has counted by now. How many pairs of glasses over under? How many do you think? So my, uh, I'm going to say, uh, 45, 45. I feel like I'm going over, but I'm going to say 45. I, he, I, well, I was going to say, I was going to say around 60. Okay, good. That's great. Good, <laughs> There's good, just good. a scene where he's spinning and his glasses are changing. Glasses are changing. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many pairs of glasses in this film. We really should have gotten glasses for this. Yeah, we should have gotten, well, we wear glasses, so yeah, well, well, we have we, integrity. We're, we're been, not, we're not putting on a blind. show. It's yeah, just yeah, us. that's true. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the tons of glasses, tons of costumes. Yeah. They work their way through the costumes. I thought really effectively without mm -hmm. much show once, right. once they sort of threw the signal, 
dress spectacularly. Mm-hmm. We just kept seeing him in costume after costume. And f- for me, at my age, they're mostly recognizable, right? So right. I'm just like, oh, I know that, I know that, even yeah. though I'm not a giant Elton John fan. And that referential stuff was good historically, but the mm-hmm. costumes are beautiful. Do you think that he, he became so big because of how strange he was on stage? Like, is that part of his... I mean, there you, t- you talk about, uh, you know, it was said you need to kill the person you were born to be so you can become the the man you want to be. Um, I don't know how <laughs> philosophically, how does that play out? Like, what did you think of that line? Yeah, so great. And um, I think actually what's interesting to me is the end of the movie when he hugs himself says something about not killing, mm-hmm. um, but but maybe loving the person right. you were born to be. Right. You know? Um, As and, in like they could coexist yeah. sort of thing? Yeah. And you know, the strange uncle father character says Uh the thing about being you're an extroverted introvert right there's something really powerful about that and i thought that's one of the things about the performance that that was so strong was we had a sense of his dopiness like his awkwardness Mm -hmm. and so he this spectacular movement and all of this lovely blocking and his energy level and that fake like I'm a clown smile work and all of that happening was all about this surface person he was creating uh, burying the person underneath. And it's not right, until right, you right. can look at that person underneath and say, that's a person I want to be. Right. And, and and so the song I'm still standing at the end becomes about the little boy standing along with him, mm-hmm. not just the I'm out of rehab standing. Right. Right. right and right. if that's where they were headed, that's a really clever thing for me. Yeah. Um, but it's, if, it's the original person, the Reginald Dwight, right? Except that's that, still standing. What I was, I thought he was going to say, and this is like me rewriting, like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. he was going to turn to little Reginald Dwight and said, No, you were Elton John all along. Because mm. that's what I thought the movie was trying to say. Right, right, right. You've is, always you've been, always been person, Elton John. Right. And just you, the, the name was the name given by these people who didn't love you. Right. Uh, mm. And I, I will say that I thought the performance of his father was really spectacular. Uh, what an awful, awful man. The writing for him was great. You know, it's not, I mean, it's not easy to write a character that everybody hates in an instant. Like he showed up at the door and his first words was, I'll, I'll, I'll see him tomorrow. And you immediately are like, this guy sucks. Like, and, sucks and, so bad. And then the first time we break in the four part song, mm-hmm. we get an inside moment that gives you empathy. Yeah. Obviously, there's war wounds. There's some broken thing inside this guy that we're suffering with. And Mm -hmm. the second family he has heals that. But we can't accept that. But to to have that richness in in especially from simplistic writing, writing that's not, you know, full of words and and clever metaphor and whatever, just straightforward character driven writing is really great. Yeah. And it's interesting that, um, you know, a lot of his songs seem to stem from like his personal issues However, he wasn't the one writing the lyrics. Yeah. So there must have been, I, I think there's probably some inaccuracy with how the writing partnership went because for those, and it might just not, again, be a chronological thing, yeah. right? You just have a vague, and, and maybe it was, a lot of it was just based off of the song. And so they just built these moments around these songs. I just, I don't know how accurate the film was. You know, I'd like to know. Yeah, and I think... For me, one of the things I like about it is I don't care how accurate it is. That's true, yeah. Now, now yeah. but I mean, we'd like to know. I'm, I'm cool with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the executive producer. Right. It can't be accurate. Right, right, right. <laughs> it, can, it can be honest. Yeah. 
it can be honest. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think probably this is a pretty honest film. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in many ways, I think potentially more honest than Bohemian Rhapsody because mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody is being done from a third party, right? Right. So it's right. not the stories being told by people who have an invested interest in the story being told mm-hmm. from an external standpoint where this is really him telling what it maybe what it felt like right. to go through this. But um, I, I would also say on, on the flip side of that, that the accuracy is is not as important as the accuracy of the words to the emotional context of the scenes. Gotcha. And I love that. Yeah. Um, But again, in two days, I may not like it. Right, right, right. It may feel contrived, right? There's that risk of this being one monstrous contrived piece of uh, art. Art, right. Yeah. I want to talk about focus Mm. for a second. Okay. Because it made me... I mean, I was drooling over focus. Yeah. There were so many moments in this piece where we were in a reasonable close-up of a character with either another important character or another or setting, environment, wildly out of focus. We, you know, we, our podcast racking focus, and there were moments where they racked, right? Yeah. And, and it was very mm-hmm. effective. But the racking wasn't from, you know, medium to shallow. It was deep. Right, too you, yeah. shallow. Right, you have a guy here and someone all the way in the back, and it's and, and you're really doing some work. Those yeah. moments were really interesting to me when mm-hmm. you would see the environment was a blur. Right, it was just it mm-hmm. was context. We could identify it, and it does put you really inside a guy's head. Right, and from a filmmaking perspective, I find that really interesting to be yeah. bold enough to let a huge hunk of the hard work of your production designers and your costume designers literally be color and shape and design in the background. Yeah, oh yeah, that's true. I never really thought about that, yeah. Um, Yeah, the production design, this being a period piece, um, and not even just like one period, like multiple decades of work uh, was astounding. Um, Like we mentioned makeup and costuming and all that stuff was astounding. Uh, But yeah, the cinematography was really something that stood out to me in this film. Um, and focus wasn't even really something that I noticed a whole lot as, as much as you did. Cause I was just like invested in like just what was happening. I have a hard time like looking at the technical side of things. The first time I watch a film, yeah. because I'm just I'm like, how is this story going? How is it playing out? What's happening? Cause I'm just so story focused. Uh, the second time I'd watch this film, I would pick up a whole lot more on what the camera's doing and all that. Um, but the camera work really, we brought up the intimacy. Um, and there were some really, really big shots right of massive arcs um and cameras hid based on where you were like we followed his perspective Mm -hmm. um and so you didn't see things until he saw them um you know one of them being the betrayal of john reed right um you're stuck in his head and his um perspective uh so i i I love the camera work in the movie uh there is some really troubling um visual effects yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, I wanted to ask you about visual yeah, effects. Yeah. There what is. You yeah. I think just budget wise, mm-hmm. um, that's because there's there's effects that you can make look really really good. Heck, Game of Thrones has a real looking dragon. You know, they can right. do whatever they want. You know, you just gotta have the money for it. I don't. I just don't know what the budget was for the film and where they allocated those funds. So yeah, the visual effects were bothersome to me a little bit, but it didn't fully take me out of the movie. Um, primarily, the one I can think of right now was just that whole spinning scene where he's. Yeah, rotating through costume and glasses and 
more costume and glasses and that sort of thing. Was... In the dance number for Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, there was mm-hmm. a really weird moment in that too, which I think may have been an effort to be surreal, mm-hmm. but it felt re- it felt like we were watching like an old, I mean, for tomorrow night's movie, Godzilla film, where yeah. Godzilla's in the background in front of actors who are being filmed on a different set, like something on yes. a screen. Yeah. And that may have been deliberate, right. but it did throw me out a little bit because of how good the Steadicam work was in mm-hmm. that sequence. And, and I'm always afraid that when I'm watching sequences like that, that I'm being tricked by too much digital work. Yeah, and 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 I and I I get fearful of that. I love the practical application of a camera, as opposed to the trickery of seaming right. together a series of shots. Right, and I'm I'm not sure which it was. First viewing, I'm not 100 percent sure of that. Um, but that scene in particular was one where we were moving so rapidly, we were moving in and out of body. Right. We were in his perspective, but there were a couple of moments where I was taken aback by special uh, visual. Effects. Yeah, and you never really know, like how much visual effects is happening in a scene because uh, nowadays like it's just every shot has mm-hmm. some kind of visual element that is being added in post um, and the trickery is really real uh, they could do a number on you you have no idea if they're doing it or not so um, yeah this is a film that I don't know how much longer we could talk about it for we still no. have four four-ish minutes on the yeah, clock yeah, yeah. but um, yeah I mean as far as the movie goes I would I would probably say seven out of t- six six and a half, seven. And a half. I just not a big fan of musicals. Like it's really yeah. just not my thing. But I don't know where else they would have gone with this. It would have been weird, like we said before, to have it as a just a biopic with some songs in there from him. Like him performing wouldn't have made sense if it was only performance or rehearsal based. For sure, right? and nowhere near as captivating uh, an experience of story. Right. Uh, the story that we see of the development of music in Bohemian Rhapsody doesn't matter here. He's mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. writing partnership for most of his life with a single right. person. And as a result of that, we're getting the, his journey yeah. and uh, the music's guiding us through that. I, I would say um, I like the movie a lot. I, I really did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so from like an emotional standpoint, I'm right. going to rate it higher than a seven, like an eight. Like I really would rate it that high. But as a film, uh, I th- in, in a lot of ways, I appreciate it more than I appreciate Bohemian Rhapsody, partly because of yeah. the lead's performance. Right. Uh, mimicry, as good as it is, uh, thoughtful performance, as good as it is, isn't as interesting to me as actors out there raw right. yeah, yeah. breaking down. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like, there's multiple, like if you were to ask me to judge different aspects of it, like some would be like really high. You know, uh, I just don't know if this is a movie that I would really, like I'd see it a second time and then after that, I'm probably good if I don't see it for like 10 years. Yeah, it's you not know? a movie I'm planning on buying. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth people seeing. I think a yeah. lot of people are going to be yeah, surprised. people are going to love it, I think, though. I know? think people are probably going to love it, yeah. but I think people are going to be surprised. Mm-hmm. And, and Elton John doesn't have the emotional gravitas for people right. that, uh, you know, Queen has, the Beatles have, right? right? Where people are drawn right into their lives. And so that distance, and part of that distance is, uh, you know, the issues with his hidden life from his homosexuality and his alcohol yeah, and all right. that stuff. Um, th- there is a distancing, I think, for some audience members. They're going to find it rewarding, I have a feeling, mm-hmm. when they watch it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I-, I kind of judge a musical based off of if I would listen to the music that was sung differently after seeing the film or the or the play mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and, I like, I'll definitely, when I listen to Elton John now, it'll it'll have a different tone because I'll have a little background into, into his life. Um 
and I'll also see Taron Egerton performing these, these yeah. songs on stage. But um, yeah, so I mean, as a musical, like I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, I definitely enjoyed it uh, more than a lot of other musicals that I've seen. Because, like I said, I just not a musical fan, yeah. and Steph knows that. I think yeah, she yeah, was yeah. Pretty, pretty worried when they started, started singing <laughs> right, in the when, first two minutes. Yeah, it felt um, like a play. Suddenly, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh gosh, the lights have changed, and he's <laughs> he's moved into his own little world. Um, but yeah, like I I would enjoy listening to this music. I think more now after seeing this film. Um, it's like when you go see a musician live, right, for the first time, and you have a different perspective on on their music and their energy and um, their heart behind everything. So, yeah. yeah. And props to his teenage self too. His teenage yeah. self could sing. Yeah. His teenage self could really sing. Yeah. Even um, the kid, even the, the kid, kid hit this really high note and I kind of winced for a second. Yeah. It was, oh goodness. When he was the, demon ghost child yeah, about oh, yeah. someone who really looked like Elton John that was yeah oh terrifying. yeah they showed the picture at the end yeah, yeah Steph was like it, it's that kid hasn't aged in, <laughs> <laughs> in 80 years um yeah no it was it was all right it was a good movie yeah let's see it again I'm, ex- I'm interested to see if I like it more I'm in interested to see what segment. other people have to say too this yeah. is one of those movies where my gut is so malleable right now right. I'm really anxious to go on Twitter to go read a couple of articles. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's on the Empire podcast this week. I'm probably cool. going to listen to that. Yeah. And so we'll come back in a couple of days and uh, we'll we'll chat about it again. So uh, thank you. We're going to like flip over and go to uh, the office and uh, have another conversation in just a few seconds. But days will pass for you. And as always, if you're listening, this is when we would want you normally to be uh, writing to us, sending to us, uh, yeah. tweeting at us at... Uh, pod focus and, and and finding us so that we can have things to talk about that aren't just our ideas. Oh, hey, welcome back to the Racking Focus podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. I'm John Doyle again. And uh, it's been a few days since Rocket Man. We're just going to get right into it. Um, yeah, let's do it. I've again had no time since I shot a wedding yesterday. <laughs> and I, uh, yep, I haven't had time to research. I have one thing I want to, uh, two things I want to talk about, but I'm going to have you facilitate most of the conversation since. But why don't you start with the stuff you want to talk oh, about? Oh, okay. So the most interesting thing. Um, to me, uh, that I did read actually before seeing the film um, was that, I, I don't know the source, don't know where I read it or saw it, but Elton John told Taryn, don't sing the songs exactly like I sang them, which is very, very different than Bohemian Rhapsody being almost sh- like shot for shot, like remakes, it's, the sound was like spot on. Uh, so he told, he gave him some creative freedom to kind of make the songs his own, which I thought was really refreshing um, and almost unlike a musical artist to do. You know, yep. they, they would want their stuff to be um, as perfect and as true to how it really is in the recordings, but he gave him, you know, some creative control. So, and I think we saw that in the film. Um, there was, there were songs that didn't sound a hundred percent like the original. And even though you could tell it was Taron acting and not, you know, uh, uh, identical replica of elton john it was still it felt like they were his songs and not like he was trying to sing an elton john cover song you know do you feel that way i I do and i i listened to this interview with dexter fletcher directed the um film on the empire podcast Mm -hmm. and one of the things he talked about was that everything in the film was going to be recorded by taron or one of the actors so even according to fletcher every song we heard that was on an lp that played every needle drop was actually taron singing 
to create that sense of it having integrity of that person playing it. So much work. Yeah, apparently there's so many songs. Like what he said, they just kept sending mm. Taryn back into <laughs> the studio to record something else, and then they didn't use it. Right. Like there's stuff they just didn't use. So Taryn has a whole Elton John cover record that probably should be released at I, some point. I would certainly hope so. I got yeah. excited as I listened to the interview, and uh, I, I thought I would love to hear that album. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see that sort of living, breathing recreation of yeah. the music, right? Right. Um, but yeah, so so I agree with you a hundred percent about that. I think that the uh, uh, there's something about being original in that performance that I really like. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's you know, it made me think of uh, we we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but I brought up Les Mis, where and I thought when you were talking about this earlier that they recorded live on set as they were uh, performing and acting, which wasn't the case, but. Uh, it's the reason Les Mis works so well is that it's a new recording every time you listen to it, every time mm -hmm. you see the film, uh, or obviously on stage, it's a, it's the actual actors. But um, yeah, it just works because you know it's, oh, it's Hugh Jackman actually singing, it's Anne Hathaway actually singing, it's Taron Egerton actually singing um, the song. So I don't know. I, I, lo I love the musicality of the of the movie, even though musicals aren't my uh, cup of tea. So. Yeah, it's one of the things I think is funny. I want to at least address that with yeah. you too, because your your struggle with it being a a musical is mm -hmm. potentially a problem of advertising more than the film itself. Yeah, uh, you know we're we're going into a movie, and my wife thought she was going to see Bohemian Rhapsody. You thought we were going to see yeah. something like Bohemian Rhapsody, and Dexter Fletcher was the fixer, was the guy who directed uh, the back end of Bohemian right. Rhapsody. So like you're in this place where you're like, Oh, this is the guy's skill set, And you know, you're going in to see something and it, it's that shock of seeing something different without your ability to frame. So your discomfort with musicals as a rule becomes augmented by the fact that you're, you're, you're yeah. surprised. Yeah. Well, it, uh, it obviously gets into the surrealism of musicals and I just didn't expect to see that going into the film. Um, and I think the advertising was smart because I think if they advertise it as a musical, they're going to get way uh, less ticket sales, right. um, way fewer tickets sold. But by surprising the audience with the musical, you're, you're kind of locked in for two hours. Once, once you're in there, you're in there. Uh, so yeah, I, it, but I don't, I don't necessarily feel lied to in the advertising. It was just unexpected, you know? Yeah. It, for me, it's more about getting people who may be uncomfortable with a musical to be able to be, find it palatable. Yeah. So the advertise it's always about like single point advertising. Mm. So there's a big push that's all about making it look like Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. We're one single spot where we knew it was a musical, where yeah. we had that revealed to us in some of the right. uh, press or in, in some of the uh, advertising would have given you a place to be in the theater. Um, and it doesn't mean yeah. it would have healed it. I mean, you know, like musicals, no, I, whatever. Yeah, I mean, know? I would have gone to see it anyway. Um, I mean, there's musicals that I like, but going into those films, I knew they were musicals up front, right? So it's it's not like they were lying to me. It's like, it's, sorry. it's it, that's what it felt like. It felt like they just pushed me down, and then I was stuck watching a musical. Yeah, uh, I, um, and I, I, you know, I'm not a. I did musicals as a youth, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and into my medium life, I guess. What was your biggest role in a musical? Uh, Man of La Mancha. I did okay. Don Quixote, yeah, yeah, or Barnum in Barnum, which is you know greatest showman reminiscent right, right, right. um but but either of those things when i did that junk back when i was a, a kid or at least a more youthful than yeah. i am now um <laughs> uh i liked doing it but i never loved going to see musicals uh -huh. but i like the creativity of the puzzle making that yeah, this particular yeah. piece did so like the musical structure may have been disturbing but i love the way the pieces were puzzled together yeah um 
there's uh, in this. I mean, I advise everyone to go listen to this interview. Uh, it's almost three quarters of the way through uh, the episode of uh, the Empire podcast. That's just their regular weekly podcast. Right. To hear Dexter Fletcher talk about his work, because he really did do a pass on it. He added music. He pulled music out. He repositioned characters. Uh-huh. So he did work that made it possible for uh, the audience to have a different experience. And, you know, the, the orgy scene. Right. Uh, the music that's in the orgy scene wasn't originally there. Okay. He said, in fact, in some places, the music wasn't even listed. They were just divining music. But right. it was a musical from day one. So like your thought about yeah, yeah, it being yeah. a stage play, right. I think that it, it may not have been the intention of a stage play, but it was a musical from day one. Yeah, cool. Um, I want to talk about uh, Bernie and uh, Elton's relationship. Great. A little bit. Um I love the relationship, and there was one thing that we, you know, I was reading, you know, ten true facts or something of uh, ten things we learned from the Rocket Man movie from You Discover Music. Don't mm-hmm. know how accurate all these things are, but, Dude, but I love the You Discover you Music. Discover it's music. an excellent source. Yeah, it's and it's you with a just a the letter U, not Y O U. Um, so whatever, whatever that means. But um, okay, so number ten on this list uh, was the most interesting to me. It says Rocket Man shows some heated exchanges between Elton and Bernie, but in real life, they never had a falling out. Um, I don't necessarily want to say that they had a falling out in the film either, even though they were trying to paint it as a falling out. It was just a you know Bernie as a normal guy, not um, getting sucked into the negative lifestyle that. Uh, Elton was living and even though he was trying to help his friend out of that lifestyle his friend clearly uh denied his help and still did what he wanted to do and in the end Bernie still ended up coming back and trying to help him right he never abandoned his friend they never really and they've said in the movie like we've never had an argument uh granted in it's him lying all the time in the uh you know the Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever therapy group he's in whatever it is it's him lying about almost everything that he's doing because then it shows us the opposite. Um, him and Bernie clearly had arguments. You can't go you know, 50 years of friendship and not have an argument with your friend. Uh, but even through all of that, at the end of the film, we see them argue one last time and Elton goes to walk on stage, but he stops, comes right back to his friend and says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. And then he goes back out after Bernie says, I know you didn't. Um, so like as, as, as friendship goes, this is a film that really paints a supportive friendship, I think. Uh, a friendship that we should all strive to have with each other. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was nice to see that on film um, in, a, in a movie and a musical even that is so surreal and so big that they over-dramatize these sort of things. This was a very small uh, and intimate moment, I think, uh, that was done really nicely. Yeah, I think, I'm glad you bring that up because I think that people missed that. Mm-hmm. The, thematically, this becomes about yeah. the glossy, glitzy Elton John experience. It's And yeah. pointing that out, and in some ways I wish that had been accented more as a right. thematic piece, right? Yeah. But we, we see Elton John through the whole movie love everybody else. Mm-hmm. And we, you know that moment in the end where he finally decides to love his child self, his self, his right? Self, yeah. The self he had to kill to become who he is. Right. Um, I... I uh, I think that there's something about knowing that when you love everybody else, that there's some measure of pain and suffering that comes with that. Yeah. And we then get to see him loved back. And so many films would have leaned into, let's make this an ugly conflict. 
Right. Let's burn this relationship so we can heal it. Right. And instead making it like consistently healthy is the way some people's friendships really are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you think of love first in your priority, uh, mm. it's what it is. And th- their match, I thought that that scene with them in the restaurant when they're first starting to work together yeah. is, I'm sorry for beautifully shot and well acted. Right. It sets the, the stage for what you're doing. It's the planting yeah. for our payoff later. Yeah, exactly. The friendship was, uh, there was a chemistry between them from the very beginning. Uh, yeah, I just love that. I just love that moment. Wanted to bring it up. Yeah, I think it's so. great. I think it's really good. And, and it's one thing you can spotlight that's not about costumes and props and right. beautiful cinematography, but right. just some really good uh, thoughtful choices. I know that um, Bernie saw the film with Elton. I know that that happened. Okay, cool. Um, and apparently they were both really excited and happy about it. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Um, That's awesome. One of the things I want to talk about is the idea of film as memory. Um, and we often uh, today, especially in the movies we've been watching, right? Mm-hmm. We live in this third person position, right? right? So you and I are viewers of an experience that's really happening in the world, right? So, um, we watch Godzilla and there are monsters on screen uh-huh. having a fight. And even though it's not our reality, it is a reality that uh-huh. we're watching. Yeah. And the same thing happens with Endgame or with John Wick. It's all of this third person experience for us. And this movie really decided boldly to dis- to say, we don't, we're just going to lie about the truth. We're not going to tell real things that happen even. I mean, there's tons yeah. of stuff in this movie that isn't really accurate right. because it's all about memory. Right. And it reminds me of Memento uh, mm. and how much Memento is a captivating film, not just because of the puzzle box, right. but because we're inside a guy's head. Yeah. Um, and I appreciated that as a, a challenge for us as film viewers. Well, you talk about memory um, and our memories aren't always accurate. And so Elton's recounting his life to all these people in this room. Um, and he's remembering details as he saw them as a... Um, as he described a drug addict, alcoholic, sex addict, like just dude was, I mean, he missed a week and a half of his life or something. He, we, we, we skip it. We skip time in the film and he has a show that night. I didn't realize that they even had a show that night. He thought it was a week later and he says it is that week. So they skipped a whole bunch of time. So Elton's memory probably honestly isn't even the best. Uh, yeah. So as our memory goes, like we're not going to remember everything um, the way it's supposed to be remembered. Um, so yeah, it was, it was nice to, I don't know. I don't have many thoughts on that. Your thoughts, was, your thoughts were great. What you said was great. I don't have I'm many thoughts, like, but that's, it it's is about interesting. Story. Yeah. Listen, I know that the thing you care about in, in all of this is about story. I mean, I know you love story, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And stories, memory is better than, yes. than the truth often. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I think about Game of Thrones it's why we It's why we embellish the, the truth, right? When we uh, we tell a story, you know, we add a little bit. The cliff's 10 feet higher than, than the one we jumped off of in reality, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, sorry, you were going to go to Game of Thrones. And the mythology is cool. I'm saying Game yeah. of Thrones, inside the books, you're inside someone's head. Right. And it's all this head experience. And then the show struggles because it's right. this third-person point of view, and we can't have the same engagement. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I like that. I like being in that position where my experience is where I'm lost in the mind of another. Right. Uh, and so anyway, that was cool. And I thought, and then we talked about before how the cinematography made that all happen. Yeah, I was going to pull some clips. I wanted to say I just didn't have time to, to look at any of them. Um, the uh, one thing that they did that was interesting, and I had a feeling they were going to do this, uh, 
And so I was watching some Elton John music videos before going into the film because I figured yeah. that there was going to be a music video recreation yeah. somewhere. And there was at the very end a shot. I don't know if it was a shot for shot remake, but it's pretty close um, to a shot for shot remake. In yeah. fact, they went to the film grain, right? Like they yeah. blow up the grain. All of a sudden it, it becomes this grainy. I don't know if that was the nineties or, or when that, when that was, but um, yeah, it all of a sudden changed styles dramatically um, to, to that uh, film grainy VHS kind of style yeah, uh, yeah it kind of felt out of place but at the same time you appreciated it because it was a shot for shot remake almost of this you knew you were watching him record a music video um, yeah i wonder yeah. if that happened after fletcher had been on the set mm-hmm. of bohemian rhapsody and was like oh this shot for shot thing's really cool that we're yeah, doing yeah, yeah. i want to put it in this other movie i'm working on where we don't do it at all right so let's do it <laughs> i don't know but but yeah it was it was a fascinating thing and really is i mean you lay it up next to the video it's pretty close yeah i mean different people I, i'm not oh, i'm yeah. not even sure if it is different people i'm i'm i have to go back and watch the video and right. see how much they cheated digitally through that yeah i'm not sure um but i thought that was cool i mean that was for i'm still standing right um, yeah so yeah that was a cool little cool little piece um what else we got we have nine minutes left on this clock here yeah so what I, uh why don't we talk a little bit about costume stuff just again just reflect on that we yeah, heard that yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. of stuff about how thoughtful the costumes were made with you know goodbye Yellowbick road having costumes that oh that's right you know match the characters from uh oh steph will love Wizard this of Oz. yeah so what, what's he wearing what, what did they say uh he was wearing um, a, a sequined right silver, silver sequined sequined shirt for the tin man um and then he was wearing a was a straw hat i think straw hat. and then a um like a, a fur coat for, which, the, for the lion, for the so, lion so right. he is dorothy yeah. on that song which i think is really cool mm. um, and that kind of thought shows the you know we talk about detail in um bohemian rhapsody now we have this level of detail that's just hidden in the background yeah it's not something i picked out for i mean somebody picked that out uh, or was it the oh, no, behind the, the scenes? Costume that guy oh, gotcha, it, yeah. cool. Um, so who knows if anybody even picked it out? Right. But that's really that's really uh, subtle in there. Um, yeah, and it's cool. And uh, Steph, you might have to correct me. Um, okay, how about you come over here real quick and tell us what the Tin Man, the Lion, and the Scarecrow were missing on their journey, or they they were trying to find on their journey. You got to sneak into the yeah, shot. Yeah, sneak in here. The Tin Man needed a heart. The scarecrow needed a brain, and the lion needed courage, and Dorothy needed to go home. And Great. there you go, right? Yeah. Um, there certainly is a resonance to that with him needing to yep. go home, right? Yep. Um, that I mean, his Thanks, home Steph. life sucked, right? Yeah, thank you, Steph. <laughs> uh, yes, I mean, his home life sucked. Yeah. Home is probably that little child, right? Yeah. That little boy. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's a lot for us to talk about. I think the filmmaking on this thing is extraordinary. And whether yeah. or not the story always works uh, and whether or not it's overwrought. And uh, I know that from my understanding, Elton John didn't see the whole film till the very end. Okay, cool. Which means my fear about him being executive producer and like, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. He maybe didn't have as much control as we thought. Maybe he just funded, you know, he was probably a funder and that's where yeah, he got and, the exec status. Uh, well, and, and he's going to make money off of it too, oh, yeah, which yeah, probably yeah. is where they place I hope he him. does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so that, that means that the director had some flexibility to make some right. choices, uh, that may have violated, uh, what Elton may have, how he wanted to protect himself, mm-hmm. although it seems he didn't want to do that. Right. Um, you just want to lay that out. I mean, I think Elton as somebody is, uh, he's probably been, he's been in the public eye for over 50 years, right? Um, he's had his probably fair share of, uh, social media or not social media, <laughs> uh, just, just regular media, right. just kind of, you know, hey, 
Elton is on drugs now again, or well, I don't know. I wasn't around in the eighties, man. I was born in 93, <laughs> but you know, as a, as a celebrity, you, you kind of get tossed around in the media, uh, in good and bad ways. Elton's obviously a legend, but I don't think he's, he cares what other people think about him at this point. He's kind of beyond that. He knows what his story is and, um, he's fine letting Taryn represent him and, uh, the, the filmmakers honor his legacy. I think most people, if you think of Elton John, like no one's, I've never heard anybody bash Elton John, you know, I like never in my 26 yeah, years. Yeah. One is a guy who sort of worked his way out of the hole instead yeah. of continue to live in it. So, and then right. and the movie certainly does that adequately and they do. I mean, I love the fact he starts in a devil costume and he strips uh, yeah. that off. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like yeah. piece by piece and the falsity of mm. that stripping. So it's not like, like I loved when he like Velcroed off, off the, the horns. horns. Yeah, yeah. It was so good. Like it's just barely on there. You said something about transformation when he goes on stage before we started recording. Oh, did uh, I? About him being Elton on stage or whatever. Um, I don't, mm. you don't remember what that Dang, was. We should have recorded yeah, that. Yeah, we should have recorded it. Uh, no, um, I don't, I don't remember. Oh, oh, you know what? It was, um, you were saying that he had, uh, you were reading this quote, I think, or maybe it was in a video we were watching, um, and he says that he doesn't become Elton John until he steps on that stage in the costume. And it's this whole Beyonce, Sasha Fierce, or right. wh- whatever, sort of, you know, he, he has this uh, this second personality, this stage presence, because uh, underneath he is really Reginald Dwight, you know, and, and that's that's who he is as a person, but he's tried to escape that because of his home life and his past and he wants to start fresh. Elton John is just a way for him to start fresh. And he may have taken his friend's name, Elton Dean, right, uh, because he admired him and his home life or something, or him and his family, or him and what he was doing uh, just in general, or him as a person, and he wanted to become that. I don't know the name, the reasoning behind taking that guy's name, other than Elton is really kind of a flashy name when you think yeah. about it. And it might only be because we know who Elton John is now, and he's this flashy, glam sort of guy, right? Uh but yeah, once he steps on stage, he becomes this second person, confident, um, you know, excited to, you know, put on a show and, and tackle whatever he's he's going forward uh, with. And uh, when it, you know, yeah, it makes sense that that can happen in the movie too, because yeah, the movie right. becomes it, he doesn't need that guy to be him, like the guy on the screen, not yeah. Tarrant, but like the character on the screen to necessarily be him because it's a character that right. he is living. He lives it, right? Like you live that. But yeah. he's he always is, performing in, in right. a sense, right? He's always putting on an act, um, which I think can be really damaging, which is probably why he was uh, doing drugs and seeking all these uh, random you know, pleasures, alcohol, sex, all that stuff, because he doesn't know who he is. Um, he's trying to figure that out. Uh, but yeah, it can be taxing trying to be somebody else, someone that you're not. And this whole thing is, it's, uh, you're trying, he's trying to find his identity, um, which he finds at the end. And I, I, okay, we were talking about the devil costume. Um, there was a moment where he literally threw the costume, um, which I thought was just so symbolic of him. So sick of who he is or who he was. Um, obviously he, we find out that he left the show. He left the show at Madison square mm-hmm. garden and walked right into rehab because he couldn't handle who he was or what he was doing anymore. And not just because of uh, him hurting himself, but him also hurting the people around him. Um, he needed to, to start fresh. So him throwing the devil costume, the devil helmet was him saying, whatever evil is within me, get out, you know, leave now. Like this is, this is it. 
I'm, I'm making a change. That, and that's when he, I think the next scene we saw him and he was in a bathrobe. Yep. You know, he's so. In, right, exactly. Like he's washed himself and he's clean. Although he yeah. still looks like crap. Yeah. <laughs> the, the makeup people are doing so good. I loved that journey from Madison Square Garden to the yeah. the rehab. That in that suit, getting in the taxi may be one of my favorite like little comedic moments in yeah. this. And Taryn had this great plodding walk. Mm-hmm. Like he really did capture this sense of not a cool dude where you know we think about bohemian rhapsody Uh everything freddie mercury does is like swirlingly beautiful in every moment yeah here we got this guy who looks like dopey he's just clunky right he's just kind of wandering Um, around and yet can still float on stage and those moments are captured yeah so um so why don't we wrap ourselves up here great um there's a hundred other things i could probably think to say because i'm going to just say i really like the film but let's go back to second stage rating i like it more today than i did two days ago or three days ago um it's grown. I mean, I was talking this, uh, talking to it about Steph a little bit. Um, there's a, a feeling that stayed with me after the film. The next day, I found myself thinking about it, and man, I was like, "Man, like this was, it was fun to watch. It was a, you know, it was, kind, it was uplifting. It was encouraging, um, and it was a movie I I would want to see again and watch it again. Not something I'd maybe watch all the time, but like if it's if it's it's maybe it's a film that's on TV and it catches my eye, I might stick on the channel for a little while and enjoy myself watching the film so i like it a bit more i don't know what rating i'd give it it's a weird musical drama biopic i don't know where to rate that but i I enjoyed it a lot more uh than i thought i would so let me uh so i can't do the split on this either because Mm -hmm. it's it's like a movie it doesn't feel like we have to genreize it although there is that quote i just read before we started where elton john said this is as good as greece which is (laughs) hilarious talking about when he watched the saturday night's all right for fighting shoot uh uh, from my standpoint i I hate greece so like i hate it with a passion if i could burn all the copies of greece i would and from a moral standpoint right where this Uh movie finds its real moral center yeah the um greece never finds its moral center so yeah. well you so, know you just don't know if that's a compliment he's giving the film or not uh from my standpoint at least but i, I i'm gonna like be ridiculous i'm gonna give uh-huh. this a nine as a film oh, like, wow, I've, yeah. I've, over the past two days i've yeah. gotten even stronger lisa and i were talking yesterday mm-hmm. my wife lisa we were talking and she was uncomfortable with some things about the film like bohemian rhapsody more and right. i just could i just suddenly found myself being effusive uh-huh. about the like how much i like liked you found yourself like did. defending the film bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and really trying to present a case for its quality mm-hmm. you, you know the little boy in his bubble helmet underneath that i thought was so weird before now for me it's about him being protected from the drowning in the pool Uh, like over and uh, there we go that's it we we have a couple minutes left and and so it just really made me feel like uh uh, uh, i i could start to see the level of craft yeah and so i want to rewatch it because i want to find out what else it needed to say well a nine out of ten people are agreeing with you uh i believe the tomato meter is at 90 percent so People are people are agreeing with that that nine out of ten rating, and I also want to give Taron props for being an actor. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've seen him in a lot of films, and I and I really enjoy his performances. Right, I yeah. can find him really yeah. charismatic. Yeah, but here I got to see him act, and those close ups we talked about did it. Yeah, so so intimate, for me, yeah. super high rating. Yeah, um, I will definitely watch it again. And I hope other people do as well. Great. Uh, let's try and close this thing out smoothly All right, and let's not that butcher. Out. I'm not really sure how to do it, but. Uh, guys, thank you for watching this episode of the Racking Focus podcast. Please, 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 please tweet at us. Um, go see the movies we're seeing. We want to do this with you guys and not just separately. Um, let us know uh, what movies you want us to see as well. We have our own master list, but we'd love 
for you guys to uh, give your input. And I think what we're going to probably end up doing is posting some of those master list items out. So you folks, if you want to watch with us, can go the week we're watching it and sort of be prepped. Like yep. we're really looking for comments from you. So Racking Focus Podcast, Racking Focus Pod, Racking Focus, Racking Focus Pod, Podcast uh, uh, on at gmail.com. Oh, Racking Focus Pod at Racking gmail. Racking Focus Pod yeah. at gmail.com for emails to us, but whether about the quality of our work or about the uh, movies themselves and Pod Focus on Twitter, Racking Focus Podcast on Instagram, we give you a lot of variety so whatever way you screw up our name you'll find us someplace uh, we're really super excited about having uh, your input into the program also definitively if you're listening go to apple Podcasts. Yes, please today. review us review us uh, if you hate us still try and give us at least four stars uh, give us some support so other people can learn to hate us like get us out there so if yeah. other people don't like us they can experience that but lots of stars honest reviews that's what we're looking yep. for share it with your friends and uh we'll catch you guys in the next episode thanks for watching Thank listening Both, maybe. thanks for listening to the racking focus podcast 